Beat the Station is an occasional podcast about the DJs of Asheville FM. In each episode, you'll learn how a DJ picks the music they play and how they put their shows together. I thought Avel Vita, the host of Fly Trap, would be a great first guest. In addition to hosting a long-running show, he's also been heavily involved with volunteer efforts at the station. Because this is my first time doing a show, and my first time editing audio, it's taken me quite a while to turn this around. In the time since I interviewed Avel, he stepped down as program director, and he stopped doing his show, at least for now. But what he says is all still true. So enjoy the first episode of Meet the Station with Avel Vita, host of Flytrap. Uh, Asheville is a place full of people who are from other places. There are very few people you run into who are who are natives to this area. Um, so what about you, Avel? Are you originally from the Asheville area? No, I was born in California and grew up in Northern California, born in the Bay Area, and then spent a lot of my youth in further north near Redding and Weed, California. When I graduated high school, I moved back down to the Bay Area, moved to San Francisco when I was 19 years old, bounced around there for a while, then moved to the Pacific Northwest up to Seattle in 98, I believe it was. Spent, what was that, something like eight, eight years in Seattle, three years in Portland, Oregon, before moving to Austin, Texas, where I spent about two years. So how did you get to Asheville from Austin? My fiance and I moved here together in 2015. Her mother lived here already. And her mother, Janelle, actually was who introduced me to Asheville FM. So when I moved here, yeah, we, we, we moved to Asheville to be, to be closer to her mother when, it, when we realized that some of her ailments were made it necessary for us to be near her at that time. She has since passed, but we like Asheville, and so we've decided to stay, even though, you know, the reason that brought us here was no longer here with us. Like I said, Janelle introduced me to Asheville FM. She was a regular guest on our poetry show and I got to come down even before I started volunteering and sort of see the station and and get introduced to how it worked. For people who may not know who listen to Asheville FM, everybody including you Avell are, are volunteers at the station so you have a whole other life you know beyond the station so what is your what is your work history? Um, you know what do you do now? And what has been your past uh, employment? I started touring with bands. Uh, I, I work in, I, until this year, I've been heavily work, working in the music industry. And, and I, I started touring with my own band in the early 90s and also sort of jumping in friends' vans and, and touring with punk rock bands through the 90s and in the late 90s. Everyone was a musician. I mean, because, you know, but the whole Nirvana thing a couple years earlier had really brought a lot of artists to the area hoping to get discovered. And so it was really easy to meet all these great, wonderful bands. And, you know, you work alongside people that are in this band that you like and whatnot. And so I made a lot of connections that way. And I toured with bands 
I started really, I would say I really started touring more regularly. Um, once I moved to Seattle, started getting paid for it, uh, started really kind of figuring out how to do it professionally. I would say, yeah, it was, it was the late nineties when that phase of touring started happening for me. I enjoyed it, kept doing it. You know, it got to the point where if I was home for more than two weeks, I started to feel itchy and wanted to get back out on the road. You need to have a job when you're not on tour between tours. And it's almost a cliche that like musicians are bartenders, you know, like it's, 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 it just goes hand in hand. Um, so I started bartending. I mean, I was bartending when I was in San Francisco, but I was bartending more when I was in, in Seattle, became a bar manager of some places, started working at venues, really networking with a lot of venues in Seattle, started working for some production companies. Up until March of this year, I have been, you know, a, a tour manager and a guitar tech for pretty much since the, you know, the late nineties. This year, things, uh, touring has stopped happening <laughs> for obvious reasons. So now I find myself, uh, I am the GM of the getaway here in Asheville, which is a local dive bar. When you first got to, to Asheville FM, I think we were still in that half of the building that we're in now. You know, what were your first impressions of the station? I was impressed and I don't know what, for, for anyone who's not familiar, we have, we have like taken a house and turned it and converted it into a radio station. We're not in a facility that was built for radio. As an audio engineer, I have, I have, you know, some audio engineering experience from touring. So I was really surprised at just sort of the spunkiness of Asheville FM, of just like ma really making it work. I don't want to say patching things together because that makes it sound like it's, it's not done to the best of our ability. It really, it, it, but we patch things together to the best of our ability based on the resources and funds that we have as a nonprofit. And so I was, I was both impressed at like the sort of like clubhouse feel of the radio station and also like impressed that this is a functioning radio station that is put together in a home in a house you know it's been converted to office space and so it's really impressive it's impressive that we are consistently operating at the level that we are operating on based on our resources. First impressions and ongoing impression of Asheville FM is, you know, we are the spunky little radio station that can. And to your, uh, to your point, uh, you know, that we're powered by volunteers, you know, there are people who vacuum the floors. There are people who update the software on the computers. What's been your volunteer experience with Asheville FM? How did you start out and, and what are you doing now for the station? I started just as a, as a 
as a DJ, really. I started as a DJ and sort of at the same time or, or shortly thereafter, uh, if I remember correctly, I think I started in like September of 2015 is when Flytrap first aired. And then I became interested in simulcast and remotes department. I don't really know how, how much I helped further that department along. I can recognize once Smitty joined after me, the, that program really, really took off um, and has, had ma has made huge leaps and bounds. Um, and as a member of simulcast and remotes, that put me on the programming committee. What is the programming committee? What do they do? Uh, the programming committee is, is, a, is mostly made up of department heads who help assist the program director in a lot of <laughs> a lot of things they're they're like the as department heads they're a valuable resource because they help you bounce all the ideas off of like you know what changes need to be made what are we doing good what you know what are we doing bad and they also help i would say their their biggest role as a group is to help determine the schedule for Asheville fm the programming schedule so what is your current role, your volunteer role now at the station? I am the program director, and I have been for a couple years now. And the program director, in addition with working with the program committee, also helps enforce, as much as I hate to say it, it's like, it's like you're the cop and a, a myriad of other things. <laughs> and how much work do you estimate this is for you on a weekly or monthly basis? That is almost impossible to determine because it all, it all depends on what's happening at the time. Like uh, during schedule changes, like the months leading up to a schedule change are super intensive because you're contacting volunteers, you're having conversations, you're assessing shows, you're kind of getting a feel for what day part that particular show should be in, regardless of what day part it is in, where is it going to find its listeners? How can that show be improved? All of that kind of stuff, you're super, you need to be hyper aware of leading up to a schedule change. So that process is, is, is very time consuming because at one point, I think we had over 90 shows or something like 75 shows it fluctuates from time to time um so there's a lot of information there to digest before you even start looking at times and days and then it becomes it becomes show tetris where you're fitting you know you're moving it's like the little puzzle game where you move this tile over this way and you have to move this one this way and between broadcast schedule changes, it kind of can calm down sometimes, unless <laughs> there are volunteers who seem to be forgetting their training, and then there's mistakes being made, and there's a lot of disciplinary action that needs to happen. And then there's projects, like when we were building the live room, that can be really labor intensive, and you have to be involved in that. And so... There's no real easy answer to, to your question. Sometimes, you know, I'll spend six hours in a day work, you know, doing volunteer work for the station. And sometimes it'll be three days before 
I need to do anything other than answer emails. All right. So your show is Flytrap, and you said you started that in 2015. Is there a backstory for the name of your show? Yes. Two things. When I was a kid, <laughs> I used to watch, a, uh, there was a show on TV called WKRP in Cincinnati. And the nighttime DJ there uh, was Venus Flytrap, from what I recall. And that coupled with when I first moved here, I learned that the flytrap is one of the few plants that are indigenous to this area. Once I just kind of paired those two factoids together, I really didn't, I didn't feel like I needed to think of anything else. So one of the reasons uh, I'm doing this podcast is um, I'm curious about the process of being a DJ. And one question I always have when I'm listening to someone's radio show, and especially so when, when I know somebody, so I know you, Avell, is, is this uh, slice that's being presented for an hour or two, is that who the person is? Or is that who the person is? is? Does your set list equal your personal taste? If somebody listened to your show and then they went to your house and you played records for them there, do you think they would be similar? Yes and also no. And I, I, I apologize for that. But yes, in that I and all the DJs at Asheville FM, we get to choose our own music. Um, and my show, Flytrap, has sort of evolved a little bit. My, I tend to stick to like goth and punk because that's what I listen to and that's what I like. So in that sense, yes. If you were coming to my house and we were playing, listening to records, we would be listening to goth and or punk. Um, but I do also play some music on my show that I wouldn't necessarily listen to at home because I think it might appeal to my listeners. And so I'm always looking for new music. I don't do the like hot or not type thing. I don't do the, how do my, you know, call in and tell me whether you like this song or not. You know, what I'll tend to do is, is when I'm previewing a song, it's like, do I like this enough to include it so that, somebody else who isn't me who is listening do i think that there's enough crossover that someone else might like it so yes and no to you know i i, I definitely pick the genre and i i definitely own 90 percent of the music that i play but when it comes to like new releases and stuff like that because i don't want to take three weeks and digest a song personally before I play it on my show like my you know my show airs on Wednesday and sometimes you know a lot of new releases come out the Friday before but because of my work schedule I haven't got to listen to it until Tuesday it's like okay well here's a band that I've played you know I like enough of their stuff they've got a new release maybe some of my listeners might appreciate hearing this so that before they have to go out and buy the record. But after listening to it on my show, it's like, well, it was kind of hokey. You know, it wasn't the best song that they've done. But I included it anyways because I want, I want to have new music on my show 
and I want people to hear, you know, what some of these bands are doing. So, so yes and no. So to help me and our listeners understand uh, the universe where your show comes from. So for instance, what were you listening to when you were a teenager or a young adult, which is for most people when they, when their music tastes start to form? Well, I think the first favorite bands that I remember having as a preteen were Duran Duran and, oh, I can't think of their name now. So it was, it was really po- sort of like poppy radio, pop, like the Cars I, were one of my first favorite bands. And then as I kind of got into my moodier teens, I started listening to more Bauhaus and The Cure, um, you know, but I would still listen to the Sex Pistols and I would, you know, listen to the Dead Boys and I would also listen to Nick Cave. And so, and then, you know, you get more into like, uh, Zodiac Mind Warp and the Love Reaction, and, and you get into, you know, it's always been sort of the darker side of what what you could find. As a teenager in Redding, California, Redding wasn't like a big music town, so I, I wasn't hearing all the brand new underground bands. I was... I was hearing what was available at the record store at the mall. And then I would get, you know, mixtapes from friends. And that's how I would, you know, find out about corrosion of conformity. And that's how I would find out about, you know, I don't know. You learn a lot from your friends, you know, really more. So it's always been, for me, it's been a mix of punk and goth I'm not into, I'm not always into like the super, super obscure stuff. The internet wasn't around when I was a kid. So I had to find the music that was available. I mean, later when I started working at, I started working at Tower uh, once I moved back to the Bay Area. And then you can kind of spiral off into tangents in this direction and that direction because you have all these resources. You have an entire record store, you know, with that, that you know the I work alongside the buyer for that section, so I could say, hey, you know, hey, what's this? Well, you know, we get promos of, of new stuff sent to us. Um, and then MTV was kind of a big thing as I was a kid too, and so 120 minutes was was my jam back at, back then. So it's always you know before alternative was an alternative, before that was what people were calling it you know, that's sort of the genre I was in, you know. I I mean, I remember when Fugazi was considered an emo band. Emo wasn't a genre until it wasn't what it was known as now back in the day. So, yeah, I was listening to The Cramps. I was listening to The Pixies. I was listening to The Cure. You know, I was listening to all the stuff that was on 120 Minutes. But then I was also... Like I said, some of the deeper cuts find their way into into your collection as well. Are there other radio shows that you listen to for inspiration, you know, either on Asheville FM or other stations? Well, <laughs> Asheville FM has so many really cool rock and punk shows now. When I, when I first started, 
I mean, there were rock and punk shows still, but there weren't as many really awesome shows. I mean, like 13 Dead Cats is great. Bam is great. Rebellious Jukebox. I feel like those DJs are doing a better job than I am at covering those bases now. And honestly, that has allowed me to go more goth, more dance, more sort of like dance DJ style than what my show originally started out as. I do listen to a lot of Asheville FM as program director. It's, it's sort of like my job to do that. In all honesty, I don't listen to a lot of other radio stations right now because I feel like, and that's probably not a really that good, good of a thing, but <laughs> um, when I'm listening to the radio, I feel like I should be listening to Asheville FM because it, it, it's, it's something that I'm supposed to be monitoring and it's something that I'm supposed to be in tune with what's happening. When I was younger, I, I listened to a morning show. Uh, I listened to this DJ Alex Bennett a lot out of San Francisco. And uh, when I was in Seattle, I, I would listen to a lot of KEXP. What about podcasts or websites or online sources for music? Do you get inspiration for your set list from those kinds of places? No. And not that there's, and I know a lot of people do. I personally don't. I get a lot of inspiration for my show from working in the music industry and following certain bands and then i do a lot of i try to listen to a lot of what some of my favorite bands are listening to or at least see what some of it is and see i don't always like the influences of my favorite bands is 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 the thing and i think that's totally okay to say but i do i do like to try and figure out what my favorite bands influences are and i do like to try and check out the bands that the you know whose opinions I trust you know what they're when they're when you see your favorite band saying oh check out this band I'll check it out so that I, I think from just sort of being in the music industry and knowing a lot of musicians and knowing a lot of bands and having worked with them uh, that has been the avenue that I have personally taken to finding new music. So last question about um, influences is that. Um, you know, you've toured with bands, um, you know, you work in some music venues here uh, in Asheville as well. Do you have connections to the local music scene? Do you know local uh, musicians and artists that you like or play their music? Yes. And this, this year has made it more difficult. I, I, you know, I haven't been able to keep in touch with my friends, let alone my musician friends. Uh, right now and you know venues have all but ceased to exist so I feel like I'm definitely out of touch or or more out of touch than I would like to be in that regard especially right now but yeah I hope to get back into that once that becomes a thing again for sure I would say that there are probably people at the station who might be more in touch with our local music scene than me because this is this is the the region that they focus on, whereas you know for me I I tour internationally and nationally and and so I, I'm more often in touch with musicians from other towns than I am 
with local artists and whatnot. But I, I try to keep up with what's going on. I do have favorite local bands for sure. Nest Egg uh, is one of my favorites. Um, I think they're an amazing band and not just because they're local. I think I mean, they would be one of my favorites if I were still, if I were living elsewhere. So I've been in the station when Gypsy comes in for her show. She does musical migrations and she'll have a bag with about 50 CDs in it. <laughs> and then I've seen other DJs come in with a crate of records. Somebody comes in with like their stuff on a hard drive. When you're, when you're doing your show and you're putting your show together, what types of music do you use? Vinyl, cassettes? I, <laughs> I'm one of the hard drive guys. Um, I typically spend about six to eight hours before uh, my show airs on Wednesday. So usually starting on, and a lot of, a lot of music comes out on Fridays. So over the weekend, I will start looking at new releases. It's average of about, I'm going to share this, but don't let this be discouraging to anyone who's thinking about doing a radio show. It doesn't have to be this way. This is just the way that I do it. I spend like six to eight hours listening to music, listening to way more music than I'm actually going to play on my show, previewing it for FCC violations, trying to trying to make sure that I don't play anything that will put the station in jeopardy. I roughly spend anywhere from 20 to $60 per week on new music for my show because... That's how you get new music. And like I said, it doesn't have to be. And then I, and then I put it all on a hard drive because I don't, my, I have a bad back and I don't want to carry a bunch of vinyl around and, and things are getting on the tech side. You know, it's, it's, I know some people say they can tell when you're playing a digital file versus a vinyl. And I absolutely respect all the, the, the vinyl files out there. Um, but when you're using, I DJ my show on Serato, which is a high quality interface for digital music. And so it all, as long as you're getting good quality digital files, by the time it gets compressed and out over the airwaves, you really, in my opinion, and we're going to spark a million controversies here and, and I hope uh, you're going to give a, a website or an email address where all, all the haters can tell me that I'm wrong. But um, I don't think that our average listener can always tell when, if you're playing a good quality digital file through a stable platform like Serato, by the time it gets compressed and out onto the airwaves, I don't think the average listener can tell the difference. And so I have chosen to use hard drives, even though there is, if your hard drive is corrupted, you're, you're S out of luck. Um, and then you start pulling CDs off the, you know, off the shelf real quick. Um, and that's happened. So there, there is that, that's the downside to the way I do it. But, um, but yeah, I bring things in on a hard drive and I use Serato. It's a fairly stable platform. 
that I'm familiar with. Um, and I, like I said, most of the time that I spend is all pre-production on the show. And I bring in more music than I could play. You know, my show used to be two hours long and now it's an hour long um, just because we have more shows on the schedule. And I, I found that by going down to one hour, I was creating more time for other people to be, to be on the air. So that's why I did that. And uh, I always bring in more than an hour of music. And then I pick and choose, you know, like I things that seemed like a good idea on Tuesday when I was putting my show together, you know, Wednesday night and there I am in the heat of it. And I'm all, what, what was I thinking? You know, and then I scramble and you make Hail Marys and you, you change it up and hopefully, hopefully you make a, a change for the better. (laughs) Now, do you have, when you're putting your show together, do you have a, a theme in mind or a feel that you're trying to get across or is this a collection of songs that you like that you're all playing at the same time? What goes into picking the songs that you play? It varies. Sometimes there's a theme, you know, like if it's, if it's around a holiday or uh, most recently I did a, 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 a friend of mine passed away recently. And so I decided to, to, uh, dedicate my hour to them and uh and so that's very definitely a theme um other weeks it's you know i'll let new releases you know help dictate what my show is going to be about um so there's not always sometimes i like to get real nerdy and like and like have like a a, a, a theme going you know from a topic and then you kind of don't tell anyone and you see if they can notice type thing uh i know some djs are real heavy on the theme idea um i don't i don't always do that anymore i i used to when i first started i felt like i there had to be a theme i, ha- I felt like there had to be like a, a story you know to my show every week and um i i don't know if it's laziness or maturity is one or, or a combination of both, but I don't think that there has to be a theme every week. I, you know, it could, your theme could be new releases or your theme could just be the genre that you're in, uh, you know, or you just want to have, you know, an hour of aggressive music, you know, like maybe that's a theme. Um, but, um, you know, I don't often have all the bands from with the letter B, you know, anymore. Um, so, yeah, the theme thing is is fun, um, and and I do do it sometimes. I try not to be too heavy on it because what if I do a bad job? You know, what if I what if I think I'm holding true to the theme, but the listener is like, this this is you know. So I, I oftentimes if there is a theme, I don't I don't lean into it too heavily, and I don't I don't forecast it. And if someone notices the theme, then that's kind of fun, you know. But not always, not always a theme. And so for you, since you, you know, I, I think. I remember when I used to make mixtapes um, and for the most part, those were for myself. You know, sometimes if you had a good one, you'd share them with friends. Um, that segues were really important. You know, this song going under this song or this one being the last song on the side. Um, is that something that you do 
that you are consciously doing when you're building your set list or playing it? And do you think that other people get it? And is that even important? Yeah, that, that is something for sure that, that I do mostly um, in my segments. Like each segment uh, has to, because in radio we have to break every periodically to, to recognize one of our underwriters or acknowledge a PSA or, you know, a station announcement or something like that. So those are sort of natural breaks um, in between a set of like, you know, three to five songs, you know, somewhere in there, you know. Um, and so I kind of build my sets that way. I like to start my set with a vibe, carry it into the next song, carry it into that next song, carry it, you know, and into that set with a, with a strong vibe. Um, but I, but then the next set after your talk break, I, I treat as its own. So, um, and that, that has been an evolution. Like I, I used to try and deal with the entire program. I would want to start, oh, this 15 minutes is going to be this and then that and then that. Now I've kind of broken it up into, into each set of its own and, and the sets can kind of interchange throughout the hour, um, at least for my show. Um, So, so yes, but, but, but not over the entirety of the show. All right. So just a couple of more questions about the DJ experience. Do you enjoy the time when you're on the air? Like there's a prep that goes into it, which I'm sure has its own joys and, and uh, stress, but what's it like for you to, to be on air and doing the show? I am always nervous. I'm always nervous. Honestly, for me personally, again, I'm my own worst critic type of thing. So I, when I'm doing my show, I always feel like I'm in a perpetual free fall and I'm messing it up. And this has got to be the most horrible hour of radio that anyone has ever heard. When I enjoy my show is immediately afterward. Um, as, soon as, I, as soon as I sign off, and I start to calm down and relax, that's when I enjoyed the last hour or two hours that I just did. But while I'm doing it, I am a super nervous Nelly, and I am, I am convinced that I am messing it up, and this is going to be my last show ever, and I, they'll change the locks, and I'll, they'll never allow me back in the building. So one thing that I noticed... Um when I was prepping for this and I was going back and listening to some old shows. Uh, one thing that you would often say on your shows, and maybe this is not for all shows, but you would say like, our topic tonight is pain. <laughs> uh, I think there is, is a, the talking, the talking between songs is the hardest part for me. That's the part that doesn't come naturally for me. Um, and so those are where I'll try to have a theme. That's where, uh, why am I talking? What am I talking about? Who am I talking to? Why are they listening? That's 
where the theme comes in uh, for me in my show more than like the music necessarily. I, and I, I, and everyone does their show differently. I'm not real informational. I'm not telling you, or I rarely am concerned with what year the album came out and what color the artwork on it was and what label it came out on and what, you know, how many divorces the artist had gone through when they created that. Like, that's not the kind of information that we cover on Flytrap. Like I am, I'm more trying to interface with the, the listener. I'm more concerned with how many divorces has the listener gone through this week? How, you know, what, what, uh, how much pain is the listener in right now? And what do they want to hear to distract them from it? That's, that's where I do the themes. All right. So this is a big question for me, uh, in terms of understanding, uh, why DJs do it, (laughs) but, uh, you take six to eight hours to prep each show. You work multiple jobs. You've got a life. You volunteer at the station. Like you've been doing this show about every week since 2015. Like, why do you keep doing this? Have you been talking to my fiance? Cause she asks me that same question all the time. I do it because I like to, because it is fun. Maybe not in the moment, uh, but it is fun to, it's fun. It feels like an accomplishment of, of sorts. Um, it's something, it may not be like the most accurate expression of myself, but it is an expression of myself that I get to curate and that I get to participate in and I get to put out there, hopefully for others to enjoy. Um, I've always, I'm not a super, I don't think I'm an anti-social person, but I'm not a real socially comfortable person in large groups of people. And this is a way for me to interface with an audience with a buffer. It allows me to express myself in a way that feels safe. All right, just uh, a couple of last things, kind of uh, housekeeping. Um, Does your show have a website or a social media account? Um, How can people get in touch with you if they want to to talk to you? Uh, The show does have a Facebook account, and I will admit to being a soup. I'm not a big social media guy, so I don't keep up on it very often. I am more active just on my own Instagram of Elvita. Um, and so if that's probably the best way to interact with the show, I have a website of my own, which is avelvita.rip, uh, where people can leave comments uh, there. Is there anything else about the station or volunteering or DJing that you'd like to talk about that we didn't cover? Well, I'm afraid that like me explaining my process might be daunting to, and like seem unattractive to 
to listeners and it doesn't have to be like that. That's just the way that I do it. I know some DJs are super easy breezy. They kind of come in and they, they're picking music off the shelf 15 minutes before they go on air and they have, they have great shows and they're super at ease while they're in the, the station. And it is, it is what you make of it. <coughs> Excuse me. You don't need a lot of experience. I had almost none before I started and I'm the program director right now, you know, um, for better or for worse. Uh, so please, if come down and, and be a volunteer, if you want, if you're even considering it, do it. You don't have to keep doing it. If you don't like it, you're going to get a different answer. As many different answers as people that you talk to in regard to what is your experience or how do you do it? And you, our training department is, is really great in that they'll give you the framework on which to hang your hat. You know, they'll tell you how this piece of equipment works. They'll tell you why you need to do this at a certain time. You know, um, those kind of things are important too. Um, but they'll train you how to do it. My thanks to Lavelle for being patient with the first-time interviewer. My theme music was mixed by DJ Kutsu. My logo was designed by Lisa Whitler. Thanks for listening.